0: Classic interviews with the biggest stars. From the Planet Rock vaults, this is the My Planet Rocks podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the My Planet Rocks podcast. A rare chance to delve right into the world of some of the most influential and prolific rock stars. Over the years, some of those very icons who you spent your well-earned pocket money on have sat right here in the Planet Rock studios picking their ultimate playlists and letting us in on their life in rock. In this episode, David Coverdale talks to Mark Jeeves about Whitesnake, auditioning for Deep Purple, working with Jimmy Page and singing the blues at school.
0: From the Planet Rock Vaults, the My Planet Rocks podcast.
1: David Coverdale, welcome to the
2: show. Very nice, thank you very much. Um, we've asked you to uh, choose a couple of songs that mean the most to <laughs> you. That's few. all you've got, a <laughs> couple of songs. <laughs> and we'll be hearing those over the next hour of those. Um, I mean, one of the things that we have to say, looking back at your uh, your past life, Saltburn isn't really known as the uh, the rock mecca, but where well, you brought up in a musical house. It's household. the cultural centre of the known universe, how dare you, sir? I
0: have to uh, take issue with that. But only a little. Uh,
2: what, what, what was your? You the, southerners. What was the childhood like? Was it? Were you a house full of music?
0: Uh, no, far from it. Actually, the house full of music was my uh, my aunt and my uncle at that time on my mother's side. Hmm. They were happening teens. All right. So whenever I went, and I spent a great deal of time with my maternal grandma, my nana, it was hugely uh, a huge love impact on my life. Yeah. Um, Supposedly, because both my parents were working, I—I th- I don't think they were ready for me, you know. Uh, <laughs> you were shocked at the yeah. Oh my God, we've got. To, what do we do with this? I don't know. Let's give them to my mother. <laughs> so I spent a lot of my early years with uh, with my uh, grandma and, uh, and 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 adored her. her. Her two children were teenagers, and of oh. course they would come back with Elvis Presley and Little Richard and stuff. So I was—that was my exposure to. The, the incredible music uh one of my you know desert island discs uh, would be jailhouse rock mm. uh, which i still think is one of the greatest rock and roll records i'd ever heard wasn't that much of an elvis fan as he got more vegas mm. but you know that, that early stuff was breathtaking still is uh, inspiring to me um but that was it my mother had a great voice and my dad gave me the gift to draw you know in in a in a kind of nutshell
2: when you got to, uh, when you think about something like Jailhouse Rock, then can you w- can you remember a moment when you heard that? The feelings that you got from it—is
0: it? Well, I don't know whether I actually got a boner, uh, but I was uh, <laughs> I was pretty young at the time. But uh, I think that the the soul stimulus was was the equivalent.
1: The 90s began to swing. You should have heard this knocked-out jailbird sing.
2: Jailhouse Rock from Elvis Presley, on Planet Rock, one of David Coverdale's choices on this edition of My Planet Rocks. I want you to go back to your first job, David. Uh, can you remember how you felt when you went to work on your first day singing for Deep Purple? Oh, okay. I was going to say, have I had a proper job? That, that, um, that's your. That's kind of you know. We. I remember what it was like going to work at Dixon's for the first time. I was pretty nervous. You were going to sing for Deep Purple.
0: Well, this is the interesting thing. I. Uh, I got the. I, I jammed with them, you know, at the yeah. audition, yeah. Uh, and it was in a place called Scorpio Studios, which was in like the, the ground floor of the basement of the old building where Capital was in Marlborough Road. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's still there, but no. that's where I, I ultimately successfully auditioned for Purple. But I wasn't really overawed well, by not. them, courtesy of Bell's whiskey before ah. you go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the guy who'd driven me down from Yorkshire had stashed it because, you know, he knew I'd be, of course, I was a little nervous, uh-huh. but of course Dutch courage, my initials, DC, yeah. you know, um, I'd found it immediately, you <laughs> know, no, a little tippling <laughs> here and of, <laughs> here and there. So I was like, the edges were off and, you know, I was jamming and, and, yeah. uh, and Richie kept throwing this idea at me, that idea, and I sang Strange Kind of Woman for them. And, you know, I said, I've listened to a few of the songs or what. I was a big fan of the in-rock record, yeah. but I hadn't really, you know, kept up or whatever. I was very influenced by American blues and soul in mm. those days. Um, but still, of course, loved my Jeff Beck, Truth, yep. and Beck Ola, etc., cetera, Allman Brothers. And, but um, then the next thing, actually getting the job, was all oh, great. Of course, and then I had to go down to Clearwell Castle in Gloucestershire. Mm. Uh, And I was just, like, avoiding everything. You know, John Lord was late coming down. He was doing something or other. Yeah, Uh, And and that's when the nerves were really kicking in because I had to deliver. Yeah. And there was no bells around. (laughs) Lots of whistles, (laughs) no bells. Um, But uh, John Lord had called up and said to Richie, so how's David fit? He says, oh, he's fine. He said, but he hasn't sang anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> so he sort of wanders into it and then sort of wanders out. And I'm going, geez, you know, involuntary bowel movement. Making that know. first step into And then scene. John came down. We went to this local pub. This was a big castle in Wales, in uh, Gloucestershire, excuse me, in the yeah. Forest of Dean, lovely spot. Um, so John came down. We went out to the pub and had a, a bunch of uh, scrumpy and what have you. Uh, And we came back and he went into the crypt and I followed him and he just started to play and I started to sing with him. And he's a beautifully sensitive musician. Mm. Uh, You know, for all the... The, the bombast of what deep purple represented, there were great great musicians yeah. and very sensitive players. The common denominator was that love of rock, but John, as an instrumentalist, was it was marvelous with inversions he mm-hmm. wasn 't just playing a g chord; it was the way he would play that the notes that he selected and the sensitivity with which he performed it and you know I was singing in my life uh, the beatles or and then we 'd move on to something else so as I was doing this, uh, surreally, all the butterflies were flying out and mm. then Richie came in and, and just things built from there. And uh, then Richie and I pretty much wrote most of that album. You know. could, you, uh, could you choose
2: us a song from that album that you are most proud of all that you enjoy recording
0: well one of the songs I'd say uh, um, I'm featuring now um, is burn mm. so um, let, let's do that one with uh, John uh, John brought uh, Richie and I pretty much wrote the tune uh, Glenn Hughes wrote uh, the vocal on the bridge mm. uh, sequence and John put in that lovely bark piece <laughs>
2: Purple and Burn on Planet Rock, a choice of David Coverdale who joins me this week. Um, lots of rock stars end up being guitarists, or at least uh, they're the ones we seem to hear from the most, but what motivated you to sing rather than play the guitar?
0: Well, I've always been singing. Uh, the very first day at infant school, the teacher, well, I'd missed the very f- my first day. I was so scared. Uh, my mother you know, kept me home, but I, obviously I went in the next day. Mm. Uh, I must have been, what's infants, four? Yeah, Five. And then yeah, four or five, and the teacher puts me up on the desk and says, "This is David, and he knows all the songs, all the words to the songs in the top ten. Come on."
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of a. You know, a
0: short. Fire. Pa- well, of course. Well, that's how I've succeeded. Yeah. I mean, Deep yeah. Purple is no different. Exactly. You know? um, so, and of course, at that time, I, if memory serves, the uh, the number one song was uh, "Singing the Blues," and I've been singing it ever since. Of course. So.
2: When the voice broke, no problem?
0: Uh, I just got... I became the Barry Whitesnake. Mm, <laughs> the, it, I just got filthier and dirtier. But uh, it's so fascinating. I have a fabulous playlist. Oh, God. It, hopefully, I have, it, my hard drive has just collapsed, uh, fried. Really? 23,000 pieces of music, I'm hoping, uh, are okay. But I have I'm a sure. playlist called Renaissance. I'm a huge history buff, yeah. and particularly of uh, the Renaissance period, um, and my, the first song I have on that is called Sweet Nightingale, right. which was my featured song. That was my early mistreated... Uh, <laughs> my sweetheart, come along, can't you hear the sweet... Can't do it now, My voice is bastardized by jet lag and dehydrated flights. Yeah. Uh, but I would sing way up high, very pure, pure voice, yeah. and, uh, which, of course, i play the song to my wife and go, the guy who's singing it sounds frighteningly uh, castrato. Yes. You know? Uh, but I'd sing it as a young boy, like a Vienna Boys Choir kind of uh, stuff, and it was a gr- you know beautiful song. My wife still can't believe I would have done something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but it was true, I tell you. Were there any uh, rock vocalists that you uh, looked to for inspiration? Well, it was interesting, because I would have my booty kicked regularly uh, for sounding like a-, a black guy. Oh, really? Because... Um, uh, I- and I wasn't really aware. What happened... Um, the little band, the little electric band that I was with in the north of England we we didn't know how to pick songs from records, mm-hmm. so we'd have to go and steal music sheet <laughs> music from uh, Hamilton's in middlesbrough uh, you know one of these things and out <laughs> and we uh, we picked up one song which was uh, I remember it was in the key of d and I sat I think it was uh, uh, Stevie Winwoods song um, I, I must have been Spencer Davis group or something mm. uh, probably give me some love in and we didn't know how to transpose music, so basically I would sing it in the the key that was in on the sheet music. And sure. I believe it was in D. I'm not sure. Mm. So I started singing along, and I had to push much harder mm. than you know most stuff. And they all just stopped looking at me with awe. I'm like, my God, you sound like <laughs> yeah. And uh, and basically, my voice is just I pull it from you know the earth. I pull it. Use the whole body in in terms of the big stuff. Uh, and just over years, it, and whiskey and uh, <laughs> out, cigarettes and alcohol, I think, did the rest. But my huge influence, of course, is your stuff like Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters, Bobby mm-hmm. Bland, Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding, all of those guys. Those are the big influences to me. The saving grace for me in, uh, as a kid growing up was Joe Cocker. Because oh, really? Joe Cocker came out, you know, Sheffield. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and had this raspy Ray Charles kind of voice. So and a, he was a white guy. And again, guy. a huge range. Well, yeah. But of course, a white guy. Mm. Uh, so that opened up a couple of doors for me because before that I was, you know, I could get away with it doing little Richard stuff. But, you know, with that raspy kind of throaty, mm. black sounding, you know, voice, it was touch and go there for a while. You've chosen um, one of the songs that you
2: brought with you was uh, was Hey Joe was mm. was that the song that turned you on to dirty rock and roll
0: or well not necessarily dirty rock and roll uh, that was the the blues I've always been pretty dirty mm. or as a woman journalist I spoke to this morning said you've always been a little bit racy David <laughs> I've never <laughs> ever considered that but yes I I have uh, and I continue to be I'm still inspired by my loins and uh, I made no excuse for that. Um, but the there was a magazine way back when uh, called I think it was called Rave, and I remember reading a little snippet in there about the Black Elvis, Jimi Hendrix sets his guitar on fire, plays guitars with his feet. With his feet. Uh, probably seen that as well. Yeah. Thank you. It's jet lag's kicking in again. Yeah. Um, so I was, and he was going to be appearing on Ready, Steady, Go. So. ooh. For some reason, I was absolutely—I wasn't going to miss it for the world. I was just reading about this was stimulating and exciting to me. Then I saw him, and the rest is history. I wanted so much to be a singer guitarist like Peter Green, you know, of the original Fleetwood sure. Mac, and that was my influence. That I love to play guitar and uh, and I love the blues, etc., etc. But when I saw Hendrix at fifteen at the Newcastle City Hall, I looked and. At this that he looked twenty feet tall to me, and just was incendiary as a musician. And I went, I think I'll concentrate on being a singer. So you know, I just I'm still a it domestic. Did, did
2: that to a lot of guitarists. Yeah, yeah I'm, did I'm a
0: domestic guitar god at yes. home, and. Uh, uh, but I, I, as you can see, I, I have a, a great love affair with great guitarists. I've, I've been very fortunate and blessed to have worked with some of the greatest mm. contemporary guitar players in in music. So I'm, very, right. I'm much happier to pass on my simple cup chord sequences and go, yeah, you take it to the next level.
2: Mark Jeeves and David Coverdale is picking the tracks this week. David, we were talking about guitarists before we played Hendrix, but when you finally had your own band, Whitesnake, behind you, what did you want them to be? I mean, did you have a vision?
0: Yeah, I'd, I had a complete vision. Yeah, it was interesting because coming out of Deep Purple, um, I didn't want to do songs that lasted two hours anymore, Mm. you know, uh, because by the end, I've always enjoyed writing songs. As a kid, I'd write poems. Once I started to learn to play the guitar, those became songs. Mm. Um, uh, And we'd finish some. No, this is no disrespect to Purple. It's just the way I felt. But we'd finish one song and I'd forgotten what the hell we'd started with because everyone was soloing within it it was that time it was the 70s you know so everyone was extrapolating on this riff and that riff and if he's got a solo well I'm having one you know so a song became uh, basically an excuse for industrial uh, technical expertise and Mm -hmm. showing off really Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the things the parameters for Whitesnake was to be the songs would be you know, short, concise, to the point. And if anything, we just made them twice as long in concert for the guitar solos, mm. you know, which also gave me an opportunity to get me breath back for the next one. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, to tie in hard rock, rhythm and blues, soul, you know, within, you know, I can hear what I'm talking about. Mm. Very few people can hear when I talk about uh, Fool Fear Loving being written for B.B. B. King mm. at the time he was working with the Crusaders. I can hear it easily performed by them, just not as aggressively guitar-oriented, I can completely hear that performed lightly, you know. So a song can be, if it's a good song, it should be able to perform, be performed, well, not naked by the performer, but nakedly acoustically mm. or with an orchestra or with, you know, uh, if it has any worth as a song.
2: Could you uh, could you pick us a uh, a White Snake trap? Could you pick something that you are that you still enjoy? Oh yeah,
0: I, yeah. I think the uh, the song that that anybody asks, uh, you know, what sort of sums up White Snake, uh, a, a song with a, a perfectly legitimate lyric about a uh, uh, true event in, in my life. Uh, it's a great melodic song. It has a whisper to a scream vocal. Uh, it has your power guitars. That you know the, the sensitive aspect. It covers a multitude of sins. It's it's here I go again.
2: guest on my planet rocks this week is the excellent david coverdale who's brought in um, uh, some song choices and we're picking some stuff from your career as well um my generation by the who oh i don't i,
0: I don't associate that with you tell me tell me about that that song plays uh, every time time i'm doing a show that song is the, s- the last song to play on the music before i come on really i still think it's the best rock and roll song i've heard I love The Who. They're my favourite British band. Mm. I'm just breaking these teeth in for someone else. They're working. My favourite British band. Beautiful. Favourish isn't a word, I don't think. Well, no. It's feverish or favourite. (laughs) Anyway, they are. uh, And I still think that's a stunning, complete, the arrangement, the performance. It's the best four-man group rock and roll song I've ever heard.
2: When when you uh, talked about Still of the Night, you said and you're... one
0: day I will do a scary remake of
2: it. Well, I was I was going to say when you uh, you know one you, you talked about Still of the Night being fa- founded in Jailhouse Rock. Do you ever find yourself when you're writing having these songs, although not sounding like them?
0: Well, there's no uh, deliberate stuff. You like know, that. you'll start off writing, you go, oh wow, you know that sounds a mm-hmm. bit like. I'll tell you yeah. what, give me some droning kind of thing going through it. Do you remember the Who song? That's the kind of vibe we should have. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. <laughs> Because we get around about my generation. Do look awful. About my generation. My generation. My generation.
2: David Coverdale is here talking us through the records that what well, changed his life. David, you've worked with some great people over the years, but the Coverdale Page project was such a success for you and uh, Jimmy. Tell me, what was he like to work with? Because you seem to have really strong ideas. I can imagine he does as well. Uh, was
0: there ever a, any kind of friction between you two? No, we put the strong ideas together. Mm. You know, both of us had said right at the beginning, if uh, if either of us are uncomfortable about it and the other one's not prepared to do it, let's shake hands. You know, Jimmy's been real successful. I've been real successful. It worked out great. It was not a corporate merger. Mm. Um, Jimmy what needed motivating to get back into something and I'd really had it with uh, I was going through a very nasty knockdown drag out divorce mm. and uh, oh how surprising um, and of well, course a, a lot videos. of the bile and disgust from that manifested in the, you know the Coverdale page lyrics um, <clears throat> but Jimmy had been there with his personal relationship so uh, you know I that's the only time really I've turned around to a collaborator and said I want to make these lyrics something that's appropriate for you. Let's make this as complete a mutual project yeah. as possible. And I think for that time, for that genre, we got the best out of each other.
2: Well, that, he's, he said that. I mean, he said that uh, some of his very best work was done with you. So obviously, when you, when you say it's a pure collaboration, you were both drawing yeah. off each other a yeah. lot as well.
0: Yeah. We had, uh, and we, I'm very happy to say we maintain a great friendship too. Mm. It was so funny. A couple of months ago, I had to go down to Los Angeles to... Uh, uh, to do some promotion, and uh, I, I stay at this beautiful, uh, like very discreet celebrity hotel in West Hollywood. Do you have an assumed name? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, what is it? Uh, well, it's I let you assume that. <laughs> uh, some I've had several have over you? the years. My first one with Deep Purple was Raymond Dovetail, <laughs> and I shall tell you why. Please. When I left art college, I got a job in a boutique in Middlesbrough. I actually sold Frankie Valley a pair of platform heel boots. Believe me, if ever a man needed platform heel boots, it was Frankie Valley, God bless him. And I bumped into him in a hotel elevator and I went, I sold you a pair of boots. And he looked at me like I was going to mug him. I don't have them now. He had no. He was playing in the Stockton Fiesta. To me, it was like pivotal. I know. How did I get on a Frankie Valley? Yeah, you're, you're, you're,
2: you're with Jimmy Page in a hotel in Los Angeles.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, well, no. At this time, I'm, so I'm in this hotel under an. Ass- well, the Raymond dovetail. Raymond dovetail. I had to have. You'll have to remind me. What do you need? Is it a P45? You have to get in a, like, yeah, it. A if you need a
2: job. If you, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. Gee, I remembered that. Uh, so <laughs> the woman say. in Middlesbrough in the Department of Employment or whatever the hell it was—this is a long time ago—had a hearing aid, <laughs> and she said, "Name?" And I went, "David Coverdale." And she went, "Raymond Dovetail." Perfect. Yeah, she so gave you the name, and, that, and I became Dovetail for many years. But yeah, I'm on. Uh, yeah, it's different names or whatever. But so I'm in this beautiful villa. Uh, this this hotel has a kind of you know hotel aspect, and then this gorgeous private garden, mm. and 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 villas that go back to the time of the Barramore family. That wow. you know uh, when Hollywood was you know those golden years, mm. as they refer to it. Um, and it's it 's a beautiful place and it 's like extended family for me. the people there they look after me great anyway i 'm in this lovely villa and i 'm starting very early, so I go to the reception there 's a friend of mine, a well known photographer called ross Halfin mm. uh, a, a london lad um, and we huge hugs, what are you doing it you know because I just literally come in, and nobody at this hotel says who 's coming in or going out. Sure. Uh, so we stand we stand in there who walks up behind me pagey so we turn around we, and of course neither One of us had, had any idea and we're next door to each other. Oh. We're absolutely in the he's in the next villa to mine and so from then on it was like waving and uh, ooh, very nice, you know <laughs> but, uh, Robert and I were much closer than anybody else in Bonzo mm. uh, Jimmy kept himself and, and to himself yep. for, in those days and and John Paul Jones was very quiet, very rarely saw him anywhere. Mm. Uh, but, I, you know, I'd see Robert a lot, and uh, and Bonzo particularly. Uh, so the stuff that manifested later down the line was was very distasteful and, yeah. and, and unpleasant and, and unnecessary. Yeah. But I'd literally, that morning, I bumped into Pagey. I'd miss Robert by seconds, because right. I'm determined to say, what's with the hatchet? Let's let it go. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're all too old, too long in the tooth, and, you know, or whatever. Mm. I'd, I hold no... Uh, Blah, whatever. Mm. Um, so yeah, but initially in the north of England we were such purists, so bloody-minded, narrow-minded. It was hard for us to hear some of those early Zeppelin songs because we were familiar with the the original blues, Willie Dixon songs sure. and stuff. We were going, they never wrote that. Yeah, that's Willie Dixon's blah 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 or whatever. However, that you know, the seduction for Zeppelin, uh, for me, came because basically Zeppelin was an irresistible force. Mm. Uh, as was the beatles you know the the rolling stones these bands made it impossible not to get caught up in the magic yeah. of what they created um but i came into enjoying zeppelin much later you know uh and then r- enjoyed the pleasure of rediscovering and uh, could you
2: uh, could you pick us this is a big ask could you pick us a a zepp song
0: oh, of course um let's see Okay, here's one for you. Uh, I remember seeing this on a Spanish signal—a single called Communicados Rupturos" by Los Zepplinos.
2: We shall play Communicados Rupturos." Thank you. Education Breakdown from Led Zeppelin on Planet Rock, as chosen by frontman extraordinaire David Coverdale, who's been our special guest this week. Uh, David, it's almost time for your last track. Tell us what your final choice to play is.
0: Well, did you, one of this you were asking me about uh, hearing certain songs like this. I'd pretty much spend all my pocket money on jukeboxes mm. in co- uh, coffee shops and what have you as a kid. Because, mm. you know, we didn't have a radio at home. Sure. Uh, I didn't have a record player till I joined like this successful local band, mm. and they gave me this one of these probably wind up jobbies or a steam operated one because I was the youngest amongst them and I was supposedly the hippest to go out and buy as music that we should learn. Yeah. I remember one time in Saltburn going down, and we, we have a pier right. in Saltburn at the end of the, uh, the beginning of the pier, not the very end that sticks out into the ocean, but in the, the one that's on the promenade. Mm. There was a jukebox in a cafe down there and I have no idea who put it in there, but I was caught up by the name of this artist, Taj Mahal. Right. Just the exoticness of, ooh, I wonder what that's like. I was fascinated and, the, and it was, uh, everybody's got to change sometime yeah. and the B-side was Statesboro Blues and I played it and just won another epiphany. It was just extraordinary. And I've had the great pleasure of hugging, uh, meeting and hugging and thanking Taj Mahal for over 30 years of extraordinary uh, uh, pleasure that, uh, that I've had from his works. I'm still an immense fan of his.
2: In a, in a similar way to that which you thank Taj Mahal, we have to thank you for over 30 years of
0: fabulous music. It is over 30 years. I'm in my fourth decade of making music now. It's amazing. But
2: you're still going, and we are very grateful for that. And thank you for coming in today. My pleasure. <laughs>
0: From the Planet Rock Vaults, the My Planet Rocks podcast.
1: You've been listening to the My Planet Rocks podcast with David Coverdale. Don't forget, there are many more My Planet Rocks podcasts available featuring the likes of Mick Jagger, Jimmy Page, Brian May, Slash and Lemmy, and that's just to name a few. You can download them now from Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcast app and planetrock.com. Listen to Planet Rock on digital radio across the UK, on the free Planet Rock app for mobile and tablet, online at planetrock.com, on Sky Channel 0110, and on your smart speaker. And hear new episodes of My Planet Rocks every Sunday from 7 p.m. on Planet Rock. Classic interviews with the biggest stars. From the Planet Rock vaults, the My Planet Rocks podcast.